are tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey, welcome to the AfterBuzz Hannibal after show. I'm Joe Braswell. I'm here in the studio alone. Well, it's not completely alone. I'm with Marissa. Hi, Marissa. Hi, Joe. Um, I'm here. No Joe Sanfilippo. No Julia Carely. But on the phone, I do have the lovely Dua Casey. Dua, are you there? Hi. Welcome. How are you, Joe? I'm wonderful. I wasn't here last week. And I may or may not have been here the week before, but I'm certainly here this week, even if it's all just alone. for the good stuff. Just for the good stuff. Uh, Dua, you and uh, Julia got it done last week. I don't know where we the did, hell. Yeah. I don't know where the hell Joe Sanfilippo's been, actually. You missed a great episode last week. Um, but I think the title of the episode was "The Woman Cloaked." Uh, with the sun, and the title of this episode was The Woman Cloaked in the Sun. Right. So I, I mean, for a while I was like, wait a minute, I already saw this episode, and then I was like, no, wait, it's a different title. Right. So very, very similar, and then also quite a departure from the titles that we've been, you know, used to. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're really going for elements of of the Thomas Harris Red Dragon. Uh, I think the the watercolor was the great red dragon and the woman clothed in the sun. That's the actual yeah. that's, that's the title of the uh of the of the the watercolor the the 200-year-old painting in which uh our boy Francis decided to ingest. Yeah. <laughs> Completely consume if you will. Yeah, when we get to that later there's a lot of this is we're in really interesting territory here because this is sort of uh you know what this 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 is ground this is i don't know what what this phrase is well something ground i don't know this is this is uh we've seen all of this before twice before in two movies um one really good one one just okay one and then we of course know this from red rag in the book and now we're getting sort of um you know the 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 Brian Fuller take on this and i'm really really enjoying it i really think this is cool i actually think that uh, you know, Red Dragon, I think Red Dragon can be told, uh, a, a third time. And the book is so good and the stories are so good that the idea of taking that book and then stretching it out over, I think it's eight episodes, um, actually it works for me. So I, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying this sort of like deep dive into Red Dragon. How, how about you? I, you know, I really love it. I talked about this a little bit last week that, you know, I recently rewatched the movie Red Dragon just so I could, you know, get all of the little, um, all of the little details and everything that is different. And just the way it's told this time is just so cinematically stunning. You know, what we, the capabilities that we have now with, you know, CGI, with, you know, it's just, it shows a lot about how we've evolved in the, the movie and television and film, like what we can do now with, with graphics, with, you know, special effects. Yeah. Um, and they really kind of took it to the next level. I agree. Uh, and it's just, it's so much fun. 
What, what I also like is I like the idea of sort of these different mediums. I mean, obviously the Thomas Herrick's book is a classic, but I've been, I like the idea. I mean, it really, you know, for those who love movies and love, um, the stuff, most of you listening to this podcast have probably seen Manhunter, um, which is the Michael Mann version with, um, William Peterson and Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter, which is an excellent, excellent Michael Mann movie and an excellent sort of version of Red Dragon, if you will. So that, if you yeah. haven't seen that, um, please check that out. It's, it's, it's fantastic. But the way, just being able to see the, the way Michael Mann you, tells that story using what he does best at, at, at that time. And then being able to see it done again by Brett Ratner, which is, it's just a much maligned version, but it does have Anthony Hopkins and Edward Norton, which, which do, which are some great performances. Um, but to see this version, which is a fully sort of like, very like through through the Brian Fuller pen and then through the the lens of this time my boy Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Guillermo Navarro, who I love, but just that that sort of like again that that aesthetic that that Brian and David Slade has sort of set up this visual aesthetic that we know and love from Hannibal. It's very cool to see. Um, so yeah, I, I love it. I love. I love. I, I don't mind seeing this story told over and over again, per, per, personally. Um, yeah, you get. Different different vantage points, different views. So this was directed by Guillermo Navarro, and we know him um, from well, season two of Hannibal. He directed a couple episodes, but he is also Guillermo del Toro's guy. So he is a, he's a, known as a cinematographer. He's the, uh, Guillermo del Toro's cinematographer. So he's done Pan's, he shot Pan's Labyrinth and Hellboy and a bunch of other really cool stuff. So. He's kind of already, you know, used to that, this sort of like really sort of creepy, surreal, horror kind of like deal that, that Guillermo loves and, and, and does. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, that is. So, um, to see Guillermo Navarro get another shot and directing some episodes, I think he's really, really talented. And it's, he does some really cool stuff. Uh, especially the stuff that they do with the reflection of Hannibal Lecter. Like the, the stuff they do where Hannibal's looking at, at the reflection of through the glass and you can see, you know, the person you see either whether it's uh, Will well, or whoever it is, there's that one shot in particular where, you know, you can see Will's reflection inside Hannibal, almost like they're, they're the same person. They do a lot of those. Yep. Those are really cool. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. That was actually something that, something that was, um, it was actually, I think, one of the last scenes of this episode that we saw that, but it was, it was just Hannibal and Will's face. And we see a lot of that. You know, Julia talks about, like, the double side of the coin, but they still, they always kind of, like, hearken back to that to remind us but in a lot of ways, you know, Will and Hannibal are the same person. They have a lot of the same attributes, and they can't really get out of each other, so to speak. Sure. Um, and I, I also think it's great. Well, we have a lot going on. We have, we have the return of Bedelia. And now Bedelia is not a Thomas Harris character at all. Bedelia is, is new to the to the Hannibal universe, if you will. And so it's kind of cool to see her inserted in this version of Red Dragon how, how, what, and the part that she plays in this story that we know in such a familiar way. But um, I, I don't know why I want to start here, but let's start with Bedelia because she's back and she's, you know, seems to be 
it, no worse the wear. In fact, she's doing great for herself. She's doing lectures. She's getting applause. She's you know sort of retelling the story of how she became Lydia Fell, and uh, and seems to be doing well. What I, what I don't quite get, and I don't know if you, you get this or not, is like it, it, it's it's it was such a deep deep cover move that the way she's explaining it to Will is something like I. Hannibal is my patient. I was just kind of trying to see this thing through. I got a little too close, but I did get some good observation. Uh, I got what I needed, and now I'm out. Was this like a whole – I mean, we kept trying to figure this out. Do you think this was a really a deep cover operation, or was she really digmatized, as uh, Julia says? Like, what, 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 what do you think? I think – well, I mean, I think, I think if this was, you know, maybe a parallel universe, Hannibal and Bedelia would have made the perfect couple. Like, they really do. I think they're on, they're intellectual equals. They, um, you know, I think that the whole idea of delving into the psyche and why people do what they do fascinates both of them. Um, I think that she really, you know, didn't judge Hannibal and was willing to take that ride. She said something, one of her lines, uh, first of all, I love that you started with Bedelia because she was my favorite part of this episode. And the scene with her and Will was amazing writing. Um, her line, covert treatment suffers misunderstanding yeah. and disappointment. You know, I think that that kind of sums it up right there. She was like, I, you know, whether she was treating him, whether she was like, I think that she was willing to go on this journey, not really kind of defining it in any way, but she, she wanted to, she was learning. She was, you know, she was stimulated um, intellectually, and I think she was willing to go wherever it took her. Yeah, and Will clearly wasn't buying it, at least initially. Like, he's just really so, such contempt for her, uh, what, what feels like sort of like psychobabble when she's like, I, lo- I lost myself. He's like, you didn't lose yourself. You crawled so far up Hannibal's ass that you didn't know where you were or something, something like that. But it was really, I like to see Will sort of challenge her and be so, um, I don't want to say disgusted. Um, he started out with like, I don't, no one's buying your bullshit, bullshit, Bedelia. I just, just have a conversation with me. But it seemed like by the end, he really sort of maybe believed her. I don't know. Well, I don't think it was that he believed her, but that he understood. Because right. he also mentioned, too, it's like you and I are kind of wearing the same shoes. Like the first thing that she did was she compared their relationships sure. as well. You know, she Hannibal sent her cards and, you know, recipes on her on the holidays. And it's like Hannibal also, you know, hides, uh, holds Bedelia in a, in a high regard as he does Will. Too. And so I think that by the end of the conversation, he understood and could really sympathize with Bedelia's position. And right. I mean, he's, I mean, look where he is right now. Like, you know, she's like, did you learn nothing? You're back at the same games. Like, you know, you know, so he gets it. I think that that's what that was. And I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was a beautiful, a beautiful conversation. I did too. I did too. I want to get into this whole, uh, this, this whole Zach Quinto backstory because, um, I'm I'm still not entirely sure that I understand it, and I hate when I don't understand something this matter because I feel really really stupid. Um, and, and maybe someone in, in the chat room can help me, but but uh, needs to die. Um, I, I I'm really I'm just curious. Um, like so, did she kill him or not? And and what was he choking on? And what happened there? Is this something that I, that I don't remember from season one in this ex- or season two in this explanation? Because I know uh, the Zach Quinto character was a patient of Hannibal's. 
Um, and, uh, his name was Neil Frank. I know Neil's a patient of Hannibal's. I know that Hannibal was messing with him in various ways. She sent him to Bedelia. Then the story was something happened. Bedelia killed him. He died. Something, something. Hannibal come, came and helped her cover it up. And that's the deal. Is, is this what happened? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I, I mean, I will tell you, I was, Julia would be the one to really field this question. I wish that she was here right now. I mean, from what I got from the actual show that I watched today was that, um, was that, I mean, because when she's talking to Will, she's talking about, you know, what is your first impulse when you see a bird that's dying? It's vulnerable. I want to help it. Well, her, her first impulse was that it's vulnerable and she wants to kill it. So I think that that flashback was pretty much showing all of that. And I think that she did, you know, her initial thought was that she wanted to help him, but then her Her instincts and her primal, her primal rejection of weakness, as she, as she so eloquently called it, um, just kind of, you know, nobody else is in the room. Nobody was watching. uh, And so she could, you know, essentially shove her fist down his throat and, you know, her, initial like trying to help him just turned into something just turned into killing him and i think that that's what that that was the relevance of the flashback got it so uh the chat room completely helped me out hey guys um help me out and yeah that's exactly right so obviously hannibal's conditioned to condition him to sort of choke on his own tongue or swallow his tongue which is what he did uh in 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 that moment she instead of clearing his airway or helping his tongue shoved her hand down his throat, killed him because she was more curious about how that would turn out. And then, which is par- partially why I'm sure Hannibal sent him to her to do that, to see what she would do. And she did the thing. She killed him. Well, so, that's well, that's a really interesting. Do you think Hannibal was curious on what she would do? Or do you think that Hannibal knew what she would do? That's why he did it. To kind of let her, he's like, I know that this behavior is in her. I just need to give her the opportunity to show it, to kind of show her colors, and then, you know. Because Hannibal pretty much, you know, knows what people are going to do before they do it. <laughs> right. So that so now we know. And what's cool that we saw, we've, we've heard about this, and we saw Zach Quinto in, in, in the earlier flashback when they, when they kind of showed it. And then we're like, what's Zach Quinto doing? So it's kind of, kind of cool to see him actually, you know, get this origin story. I also really enjoyed the way they intercut that session with with her session with Will. That was also very well done. Again, I'll say this a bunch of times during this during this podcast, but you know, Guillermo Navarro, there's some really nice touches here. Just some really nice touches in terms of the presentation of this material. Because again, we've seen it before, we've heard it before. How the script is written is one thing, but just how this is sort of visually presented is still just very unique. So I love the touches of her in the session with Will and sort of flashing back with the, to, with the sessions with um, with my man. So that, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, yeah. So let's jump. I also, yeah. I love the sessions with, I don't want to, sorry to cut you off, no, but fine. I also love how they did that session with, um, when they had the Red Dragon and they turned it into a session with, uh, with Hannibal. Like all of a sudden the Red Dragon, they took that, what was, you know, originally just, I think it originally was a letter that the Red Dragon had written to Hannibal. And here they, they turned it into a telephone conversation but the Red Dragon calls Hannibal, but then in they took it a step further and turned it into almost like a you know memory palace esque actual sit down session. Yeah, which I thought was great. And the, the memory palace stuff is that's actually turned out to be a wonderful device because we get to see 
Hannibal in his sort of three-preet suit, quadruple not Windsor ties, as opposed to only seeing him in the, you know, in his um, prison garb, which which <laughs> we get lavish cell. Well, that's yeah. Huge. <laughs> well, what's cool is like you know I, I think what's cool like you know we we get to know Hannibal in the in both movies in the books, especially both movies you know. Um, yeah, Sounds of the Lambs and uh, and Red Dragon, as well as of course um, Manhunter. We we know Hannibal as the Hannibal in, the, in 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 jail. We we that's the iconic Hannibal we know. What Brian Fuller's done is we know the Hannibal as Doctor Lecter, who is a slick, very well dressed doctor. So it, it's it's interesting thing how we're introduced to this guy, and also we long for that guy. We don't I don't know that we want to see Mads in 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 the in the jumpsuit. I think we want to see Mads in a three-piece suit. So the, fa- the fact yeah. that they found ways to get him in that wardrobe with this, through the memory palace is, is, I think, very clever and very cool. Yeah. Well, they said, I think, uh, I think one of the previous episodes, they, you know, the biggest thing for Hannibal and the one thing that he, like, hates to suffer is losing his dignity. So I think that right. he's almost, in a way, the show is giving him his dignity by showing him, you know, so well-dressed and not in, not shackled, you know. Right. He still appears to have freedoms when he really, you know, this whole time, you know, doesn't. Yeah. So let's let's get in, let's, let's get back to Francis and, and um, I I, I want to you know we, we can jump back and forth but I want to get like back to this whole sort of Francis and Reba uh, interaction. I wasn't there when you guys talked about Reba the introduction of Reba last week, but uh, you know, Rutina Wesley like totally, I think great inspired casting um, as as Reba, and I think that. Um, these interactions are every bit as like, like, like I've seen, I've read it. I've seen it twice. It's the third time I've seen these interactions. I know how it's going to go, but it's still very tense. And at, at, I'm at the, I'm at, I'm at the edge of my seat in the presentation of this, the, the Francis Reba relationship. Um, I think it's very eerie. I think it's scary. I think it's touching. I, I won't say it's sexy, but, um, the type, <laughs> I won't say that, but I will say the whole, you know, the tiger scene, uh, again, was was great, you know, and I think it's also to be ironic because, um, you know, Blake William Blake's, you know, poem the tiger, and then there's a literal tiger, and it's kind of all tying together, of course. But like that scene, which we all have seen in in, in all the movies and in the book of of her sort of touching the tiger and, and and getting you know feeling it, and then being afraid, and then touching the teeth, and then finally ultimately like laying down. On, on on him and then crying was I thought it was just beautiful I thought it was extremely well done and I was really moved by it even though we we've, we've seen it before. Did you like yeah, it? Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it was absolutely great. I think this. I mean, just the storyline between the two characters. They're such they're such well written characters, and you know the storyline. I think that what I loved the most about that scene was actually watching Francis's reaction to her going through it emotionally because. You know, she she can't hide what's on her face emotionally because she doesn't see that. So she doesn't really know what she's revealing to the world. And I think that in a way, he gets a little sneak peek into her vulnerability and into her side that she isn't aware that he's getting. And on the flip side, she can't see all of his ugly parts that he's trying to hide from the world so he can really be open with her in a different way that he can't be with other people. So it's such a layered, really interesting relationship that they have. 
Um, and it also helps him really, uh, you know, accept his own insecurities because for somebody that has a disability, she really is independent. And I think that that's really eye-opening for him as well. Right. Um, the scene, I mean, the scene with the tiger was really sweet. And the fact when it was kind of getting really close to the teeth, I almost got in a sense that he wanted to, like, dive in and protect her. You know, so he's starting to get these really protective qualities. And it shows up a little bit later in the show as well. You know, after they after they sleep together, he, you know, now you can tell that he's at this, in this internal war with himself, that he wants to, he now has to protect her from, the red dragon and you know and now he has a reason to kind of keep his francis persona to kind of be with this woman you know so it's it's just it's just so good yeah it's very good it's hard not to like i mean in part of this recap this is what you kind of we have to do but you don't necessarily want to do is just keep comparing these performances to the because but because they're such we're, we're so used to these movies and it, we're kind of doing it online here as well in the chat room talking about uh you know brian cox's hannibal versus um nads's hannibal versus um anthony hopkins hannibal especially in that one scene which is pretty much identical in in all the materials where hannibal um phones make, makes the, the the phone call to get will's address uh, you know, I think that it looks like on the, in the chat room, the sort of grading who, who did it best. And I think the, the consensus is Brian Cox, but I, I like, uh, Hopkins. I like, Co- I like Cox's performance overall. Um, I like Hopkins on the phone, uh, and that scene better. But back to, uh, Dollarhide, uh, our boy, um, Thorin, Richard, Richard Arm- Armitage, Thorin from, from Lord of the Rings. I think he's doing a fantastic job. He's doing a great Francis Dollarhide. I think the, the the choices he's making, sort of physically and visually, and, and because it's all about sort of uh, his reactions and the looks on his face and his sort of physical presence and what what he's doing is is just it's it, 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 it's probably the, in my opinion the best Dollarhide I've seen. And um, that reaction that he has to Reba, especially during the Tiger. Um, it's all is is just fantastic. Is just wonderful to see. Um, he's he's really good because it, what's difficult there, Joe, is that it is so easy to hate whoever is going to step into that role next because you do have these preconceived notions of what of who and what Dollar Hyde is. Right. So you know it's not really easy. So I think that he took the classic. You know, he has the look, first of all. He has that classic look. But I think that he took the best attributes of Dollarhide and just kind of, like, took it to the next level. It's almost like Francis 2.0, you know, where he really kept the essence of the character but still almost just gave it a little bit bit more emotion but still internalized it. So he really did a great job. Right. I I agree. Armitage? 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 I have no idea how to pronounce my man's name. What? Do you know Marissa? <laughs> Classic Armitage. Armitage? I've, I've got. I'm just the worst I, I, pronouncer. I, I'm gonna. Hardwick, I'm gonna how do you say his name? So I know to keep quiet. Armitage. I have no idea, but he's he's great. I won't call him Thorn, but he's great. <laughs> uh, no, I do. I, he, he he's fantastic. I think that um um and also like you know back at the house and and, and all that that scene the course of the, the other famous scene where they first get to do it and they have that sort of interaction she she sort of mirrors that what she did with the tiger um and sort of you know lean down you know with, with him that that was 
and he drops a wine glass. Uh, I thought that was also, I, I can't help but be moved in a weird, odd way. I find myself sort of rooting for Dollar Hyde to just not be a crazy person who's going to go kill more people. I just want to say, oh, yeah. you, it's okay, man. You're, you're great. And she loves you and she loves you for who you are and it's fine. And, you know, um, I don't know, man. I, I, I really, it's, it's really remarkable knowing how this is going to end and knowing, um, what he's already done. I mean, he's already killed two families. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just really amazing. Well, and it's great. I mean, it's just like the, the symbolism of the tiger, you know, being this vicious wild animal and then him doing these vicious wild things and she still being able to kind of like, you know, at the end be scared, but still cuddle up to it. And so I think that, you know, and I loved it that they added that scene, you know, just as little nuances. They added the scene when he's in bed with her. And he takes her hand and he puts it on her face, something that she was trying to do earlier to see whether or not he was smiling. And now, you know, he's, it shows that he's growing and he's opening himself up to her. Right. Because, you know, but he doesn't want her to know it because she does it, he does it while she's sleeping. So it's just, I mean, it's such a sweet moment. Yeah, very, very sweet. So then we have another sort of like, you know, we had we had another like psychedelic sort of uh, uh, Hannibal sex scene, which was which was you know which is not uh, not not quite as, as as dramatic or as sexy at least for me as as the uh, as the uh, Margot um, as as the kaleidoscope yes. sex scene. Um, but it, you know it was still cool nonetheless. It was still cool and and, and very tastefully done. Um, again, more more Guillermo Navarro, and um, I guess I don't remember. I really don't remember that them doing that in Red Dragon, the movie, but... I, I, I don't think they did. They didn't. Um, I don't think they actually had sex they, in the movie. They didn't, sh- they didn't show it. I think they implied it, because I thought that really, like, the last scene was them on the couch. But, you know, back then, everything was a lot tame. Now that we're on NBC and they'll show a sex scene, right. you know, when in a movie they didn't they didn't go there, it just shows, you know, kind of where we've come as... Uh, how we've gone as... How far we've come as a culture that, you know, that um, that they'll show a little bit more. Right, so we get. Uh, I do want to uh, talk about you know, Hannibal referencing the re- re- referencing the poem uh, as well with that one line. Um, if I can find my notes, because I suck. There we are. Um, yeah, did, did did he who made the lamb make thee? Which is uh, which is which is uh, which he said to Dollar Hyde, and that we got to remember that com- you know, that conversation. Dollar's pretty 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 savvy, by the way. He's like he's like James Bond. My man is like <laughs> he's got he's got a lot of moves. This this dollar hide, like that's pretty yeah. pretty sophisticated like way of getting you know getting on the phone and then and then uh, you know and posing as a lawyer, getting his voice right. Uh, dollar hides. He's got some moves there. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So that interaction with Hannibal was also very cool. We didn't talk about that. That phone call, which actually turned into a memory path. Now help me out here because the phone call. Turned into him sort of imagining himself talking to Hannibal, but he's like, he's watching himself talk to Hannibal. That was kind of like a weird interpretation of what was happening there. Did you, like, what, 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 what cause yeah, that's, go ahead. I, I mean, I, I thought that, well, I think, I mean, I just think that anytime, and I've done it a lot with this show where, you know, there, that somebody will be imagining something and then all of this, and it turns into a session because, and I think it's the way that Hannibal speaks to people. Um, and the questions that he asks, and he gets people to open up to them. So where, I mean, at the very, very beginning of that phone conversation, you know, he's savvy, he's James Bond, he 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 gets in and he gets a phone call to Hannibal. 
But then as soon as he hears Hannibal's voice on the other line, you can tell he almost, like, fangirls it, where he, like, gets <laughs> really nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Fangirl, fanboy. Fandragon. Yeah, he's a fandragon. Right. Um, <laughs> hashtag fandragon. And so he, he gets really, really nervous, and he's like, you know, I'm just, I'm so I'm so excited that you're taking an interest in my work. I, you know, I have the script I want you to read. You know, I just really, I'm really, you know, so, so, and so then he's, Hannibal starts prying and really kind of getting into asking him these questions. And I think that, yeah, it almost turns into a session because what Hannibal is doing is he's, you know, he's finding out exactly where his buttons are, exactly who he is. And Hannibal can do this in a matter of minutes. Right. Um, And so in a sense, it does turn into a session because Hannibal is always trying to get into the mind of other people. And I think that the way they did it was really, really great. Right. Um, and so, so online, some folks have, have, have are correcting me, um, particularly uh, Stephen and others. Everyone's saying the same thing. I, you know, thank you guys for helping me out here who are watching right now because Lord knows I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, um, even after seeing and reading all these books. But um, so, yeah, so the, it's, the, the interpretation is directly that it, it's obviously Francis is a split personality. He's stuck between the great red dragon and Francis, and it's Francis on the phone watching the dragon have a have a conversation with with Hannibal, and which is personified. Oh, that's great! That's yeah. awesome. It it seems to that's, be that's very cool. Yeah, I like that. Well, Thank you, everybody. Everyone in the chat room seems to got that, except for you and I, Dua. We're, we're, Every, everybody that watches the show, <laughs> well, everybody that watches the show, there. I love that they're diehard fans, and I love that they're smart, and they really, you know, so shows like this where we can talk an hour about a show that is an hour and and people get it and they love it and they just really kind of want to dissect things with us like i just that's why i love doing these shows yeah uh steven oh thanks hardwick hardwick says i'm doing great steven uh steven elliott i can't even pronounce the rest something snyder but anyway thanks guys all of you guys sylvia uh gbnf um uh crestfallen Deidre, all you guys, thank you, thank you for hanging in there with us. Uh, yeah, so they, they, they made mention, of course, that uh, there's different body language. Like when you're watching that scene, of course, now it makes total sense. Francis is Francis on the phone, being very timid, and he's watching this conversation with the Red Dragon, who has completely different body language, completely talking to Hannibal with full confidence. And of course, we have that nice Guillermo of Oral touch, where we actually see the the real dragon personified, you know, in in, in full dragon form, which is also very cool, very very Hannibal esque. Uh, Schneider, hey, sorry, uh, shit, no Schinder, I suck. Steven, I can't well, pronounce a goddamn name oh, to save my Joe, life. Oh, Joe, give it up. Steven, <laughs> Elliot, Camden, Schinder, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that does make perfect sense because at the very end, the very, very final shot of that scene, he was the Red Dragon. Yes. And that was beautifully done. Like that, like that whole, the graphics and all that, all that technical stuff i don't understand that they do it's just right. amazing yeah um so that was cool so that, that so so we had that 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 um sort of interaction um i think what's left is we have to go back we got somewhat we, we somewhat got to we got through the will um the will bedelia stuff right and we got to no no jack in this episode right yeah no jack no jack um, no jack um and yeah so and i I, uh, I posed a question last week um, where, you know, what exactly, and I'll ask you too because I was curious to know what you thought, but what exactly do you think Jack's motives are? Because, you know, you think of Jack and Will being these 
these friends. Um, but it's been now they do a, a three year time jump. Yeah. Uh, which was what was seven years in the movie. They do a three year time jump, and then Jack is back asking Will to do something that he knows is going to damage him psychologically, that he knows is not good, but he's still asking, you know, is Jack a selfish human being? Um, like, what Like what? What possesses Jack to make his, you know... Jack's got a job to do. Jack, Jack, Jack's on a rail. Jack's the guy with a one-track mind who has a job to do, and he, although he loves... And he's also... Uh, loves Will and loves everything else, but at the end of the day, people are dying and families are dying and the best guy in the game, the two best guys in the game are, <laughs> one is, uh, you know, with his family somewhere and one's in jail. So, uh, yeah. so Jack's not gonna go see Hannibal. Um, maybe he hopes Will will, but Will will. I said that. Uh, but so yeah, so Jack's just trying to get that done. Um, which, which, which is, which makes sense to me in that, in that sense. So, um, so we, we talked about briefly the, the Hannibal scene of, of him, you know, getting Will's address, um, very charming in a very charming way. Um, and then. Now, uh, why does he do that? Is that out of, I mean, is that just a sheer control thing? He does it again. He does it in the movie as well. But well, why he, does he want Will's address? Like, why is it, is it just that? Well, spoiler alert. He's jealous of his family, so he wants his family dead? No, well, I mean, I I don't know how this this is to be interpreted, but obviously he sends Francis to Will's house um, to, to, you know, to maybe be the other. I mean, look, there's there's 11 days until the next um, full moon. I think we can assume that the next victim will probably be the Graham family, the Graham family, um, Graham fam, that's hard to say, the Graham family, (laughs) Um, but... I think that I mean we we can interpret that I don't know how we can interpret that given what we know about the love affair between Will and Matt, Will and Hannibal. I mean, it could be that Hannibal is wants to keep Will for himself. It could be that Hannibal wants to take Will out. It could be I I, I don't know. In the book, it's perceived uh, as or in, in the movies, it's like uh, Hannibal's going to get Will. That's what's happening. But in the in the film, I mean, in, in this version, I don't know what Hannibal's motivations are because uh, you know. It, it, it could be straightforward revenge. It could be, you know, jealousy. I have no idea, but uh, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll soon find out. But that—that—that's what that. But it's going to happen, and that may, I'm sure we'll get some exposition to sort of explain that down the road. But, uh, but we do get the scene that we've seen a bunch of times where um, Francis again, again, my man James Bond, Francis Dollarhide, uh, gets get, puts on the uh, the costume, goes out and and, and get gains access. To the museum, to the actual original, uh, 200 year old, uh, chalk drawing, um, of the Red Dragon. And, uh, you know, he, he, he does what he does in, in all the movies, William, William Blake's drawing, and then, uh, does what he does, which is eat it. But I did like, uh, I did like the, the choice that, uh, my man Thorin, I'll just say Thorn. I'm, I'm, I'm done butchering. I did like the way Thorn ate it. I think um, um, Ray, Ray Fiennes did the whole just, just shoved it in his mouth and like sort of shoved it down and did the whole thing. Thorn does, does this sort of move where it's like he's devouring it's it, almost like yeah, it's, it's seductive. And it's also like an animal. It's really you know the, the bites that he's taking, his teeth being exposed like that. I thought that was very very cool, interesting choice. The way that went down. Uh, yeah, I think, well, I think I I like thought, that for a second, I thought that he wasn't going to eat it. I was like, oh, is he going to save it? Oh, you know, no. why? What are your thoughts on why he eats it? I mean, it's like, the, is it that he needs to just consume it? Like, why wouldn't he take it to his house and, you know, treasure it and worship it? Right. 
You know, like with the choice to eat it just seems so, you know, especially after the, the, you know, the curator or the museum person was talking about how, you know, it can't be in light. It's really delicate. This is like the colors, like any application don't match these colors. Like it really is a one of a kind and he just devours it. Right. Um, GBNF says maybe Thorne was just hungry. We shouldn't judge. Um, <laughs> and Steven says, well, will the dragon survive indigestion? Indigestion, who knows? But he does take, he does down, take down the, po- uh, take down the, the painting. Uh, he eats it. It was great. And, uh, Will has that close call. The second person to see, that wants to see the, the, the painting today. He sees him in the, in the elevator, which is a very cool scene. The strength of Thorn, man. I mean, like, he picks him up and throws him against the wall and then he freaking ghosts pieces out. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he, he is like James Bond. You're totally right. Yeah, he, he's, he's got all kind of moves there. Uh, trans, this is the other word I can never say. Transubstantiation. You know, yes, trans, uh, transubstantiation. Yes, that's what I meant. Transubstantiation. <laughs> I'm very, I'm educated and smart, folks. Don't mind me. I, I can pronounce I'm words. I'm learning words. I'm learning words. Transubstantiation. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's what happened. That's what happened to the paint, to painting. It got transubstantiated into the dragon's oh, mouth. Oh, yes, belly. that is right. Body of Christ, body of dragon, body of dragon. Uh, that, Body of Dragon. That, that sounds sacrilegious. I don't want to say that. Body. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so we'll, you know, look, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll, we we kind of know where this is going, but um, we'll see what happens, you know, next episode as, as as we continue to unpack the Red Dragon story. I gotta say, I you know, NBC, damn you. I mean, I, I, I love you guys over there, and you guys are great. And I know Hannibal is canceled. I know it. But, like, they don't, they're not giving us any, um, they didn't give us any previews. They didn't give us any previews this time. They gave us that. They gave us a preview for that stupid-looking tattoo show. Uh, what's it called? Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's I don't know. Blind but it's spot. Like where you know? I mean, I know they don't want to. They don't use any valuable real estate to to promote a show that's already been canceled. So they can use that valuable real estate to promote Blind Spot. But I mean, if Blind Spot isn't like the dumbest show I've ever seen in my life, I don't even. I don't know what it is. Well, look. Well, don't. So don't I'll be doing the after you know, show here after Buzz. But no, I will I'm tell kidding. you that it, just, it breaks my heart when you know shows that are as good as Hannibal get canceled, and then you see previews for things. You know that it's just like you know where is it's like they're not trying to appeal to the intellectual demographic at all anymore. Like it's all just reality and like you know fluff, and it's the same storylines you see over and over again with you know different casts and different costumes, and it's just like you know where are the shows that keep us you know, intellectually stimulated and visually tuned in. This is one, Hannibal. I'm gonna try I'm gonna try this for you, uh, uh Deidre. Transubstantiation. That's my bad <laughs> my bad Mason that, Berger. Was that your Mason Trans- Berger? Yeah. Oh, wait, no, transubstantiation. No, it's like it's like Yoda. I'm like Yoda now. Is that close? <laughs> no? Yeah. <laughs> Transubstantiation? I don't know. Ugh, I know. Oh. The answers are on our body. Blind spot, anyway. Uh, I think that's all Tell Me God. We're going to see what we can do this next week. Uh, maybe we'll have Joe Sanfilippo. We definitely will have yeah. Julia. We'll, we'll definitely have Dua. We will definitely have definitely, me. Definitely have Dua. Wait, definitely, we're in town, definitely. in town, right? Next week? Okay. I'm in town next week, so I will be here for sure. We'll all be here. Um, yeah. Oh. How was Comic-Con, by the way? I haven't even talked to you since then. You know what? I did not go to Comic-Con. That's how it was. 
I, I, oh, I didn't make it. I had, did I had you to, get grounded? No, I had some for a week. Well, I was it was a busy week, but I, then I had some fam I had some family um some family stuff to take care of, so I did, was not able to go down. I missed all the fun with Martha and the gang. So yeah, so no Comic Con for me. That's where I've been. That's where I've been since Comic Con. Have I not done a show since Comic Con? That can't be right. Well, I haven't. No, no, no. You have, but oh. I have not because I was unavailable. I had a, something else. So, but we have not done a show together right. okay. since Comic Con. All right. Um, and yeah, so there was no announcement on whether or not the a fourth season would be picked up. All right. No. No announcement there. I think I, I, they, they've, 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 it's looking, it's looking kind of grim. I don't know if anyone online has any, 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 um, any news on that, but, uh, but we're, Marissa's just been wrapping me, furiously wrapping me for the last 10 minutes. I'm just blabbering on, just no, me in the I chat room. I just want to hear your predictions. Oh, my predictions! What's upset? Joe's running over on time. That's I know. Not. It's just me. It's no Flippo, no Julia, no you. Okay, here we go. All right. <clears throat> All right, here we go here. Bam, that's my prediction move. Um, I predict. What, the, what can we say? Predict this? We know what's going to happen. It's Red Dragon. But maybe, I know it's really hard. This is the hardest show to predict because okay, let me like, ask, I don't want to make, you know. Let me ask you a Oh, question. this is my prediction last week, and I'm going to say it again this week. I think that Will's family is going to die. Oh, no. I think that that's going to be a change. That's not gonna in the movie, they don't die. I think both of them are going to die because I don't think Will, Will is equipped to have a family. He's he's in a perpetual state of unhappiness, you know? Right. Uh, well, they just... made the choice that his wife was supportive in lieu of being unsupportive like they did in the movie. So I think they're going to make the choice to have her die instead of live like they did in the movie. Right. Well, I've just been informed by um, by our loyal um, watchers here as, as the host of the Hannibal uh, podcast. I've just been informed that Hannibal's been canceled. Officially, <laughs> no, no, but 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 they say that Hugh Dancy has another job, um, and it's it's it, it's officially canceled. Hugh Dancy's already going to be working on something else. I have been so buried in uh, life and work, um, and doing my job as a TV person that I've I've, I've not known this yet. So thank you for that. Uh, my prediction is that um, I like Alana Bloom will die. Um, I don't know. Um, you know. I got no predictions. I got nothing. I think Alana Bloom, not Alana Bloom, I think Bedelia is going to die in some way because she's not a weird. There's some there's some space to do some stuff with Bedelia because she's not an actual Tom Sarah's character. So I think we'll see something very interesting with her. Um, she will be if she does die. She will be eaten by Hannibal. Somehow, yes. As, yeah. As, as, as we as we that's good, good prediction. Um, all right. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Stephen and Donna and Deirdre and Hades and, and Hardwick and GBNF, third time. And, um, I don't know, Crestfallen, Donna, who else? Everyone, I love you all. Uh, Dua, where can we find you? At Dua Casey on Twitter. That's D-U-A-K-A-I-S-S-I on the Twitters. On the Twitters. You can find me on Twitter. Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at Joe K. Braswell. Thank you all for all for watching and listening. We will see you all next week. Bye. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you Buzz later. Buzz you later. There it was. 
by the views expressed herein are those of the host only, <laughs> and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.